Michelle and I were excited to be here. When Paul, <laughs> I don't even know if I can get through this tonight. When Paul called me the other night, we were getting ready to step into discipleship training. He's saying, I want you to come. I'm going, <laughs> anyway, I was laughing when I hung up the phone. I walked in, Michelle looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm wrecked. <laughs> Bishop was, he'd been on the phone with Bishop Lance Johnson. I, Bishop's trying to call me, texted me. Anyway, it's a wreck. Y'all are in for a, y'all are in for a wreck. Okay? Religion is out the door. I'm telling you. And you'll never be the same. And just tonight on the way up, I, I literally have just a quick word for you all, but I, I feel like I need to share some testimony to lay a foundation for the deeper place that you're going in Him. That's just what I feel like, okay? Because see, the supernatural, the miraculous is commonplace to the praying and obeying, and it's only hearsay to all others. It's commonplace. If the church ever becomes normal, It'll look so subnormal, they'll call it abnormal. The church in America's not been normal, but it's becoming normal. And the world's going to laugh and mock. I tell people all the time, I'm not out of my mind, I'm just out of yours. <laughs> I tell them that. And I tell them, you don't have to be crazy to run with us. We'll train you in about two or three weeks' time. We'll just train you how to flow in the supernatural, how to love Jesus with all your heart, how to turn your back on any fleshly desire and just fall head over heels in love with the one who is in love with you. Yeah. Michelle says this all the time, that God doesn't love us because we're lovable, because in our sin none of us are. God loves us because he's God. And he chose to love us, and he demonstrated that by sending Jesus to die on the cross, and you can either receive it or reject it. It's up to you. But you're not going to change the love of God. He loves you fully and finally. Y'all with me? Yeah. One night a man told me, he said, I don't believe in your God. I said, you don't? He said, I don't believe in a God to send a man to hell. I said, I don't serve that God. He goes, what? He goes, don't people go to hell? I said, absolutely. But if this liquid cured cancer every time and you had cancer and you didn't drink it and you died, and you died of cancer, I said, whose fault is it? He goes, it would be mine. I said, well, you have a cancer called sin. The only remedy is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't receive that... Who sends who to hell? And he goes, I'm in. I understand now. Come on. He's already paid full price for every one of us to walk in victory. Not someday, but today. There's seven days in a week and some days not one of them. Paul said, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today is a day of victorious living, abundant. Abundant means I have a cup and overflows. I have enough for me and those around me. Eternal life's over there, but I'm telling you, abundance right here. Are y'all with me? I'm wound up. I'm just a little bit wound up. I just really feel like sharing some testimony, but I want to share a little bit of word with you to kind of lay a foundation. Because I want you to understand what you're dealing with and what you're getting ready to enter into a deeper level Paul's coming, uh, I hope Taylor comes in, in March. We're just going to send a bus up. Y'all can all come to Kentucky because you might as well come. Listen, <laughs> y'all are fired up in this place. I told Michelle, I said, I'd like to be 25 years old again. <laughs> y'all have to understand in 2017, they wanted to do double knee replacement on me. <laughs> the doctor said, you need both of them done. Which one you want done first? I said, if. We do them, we're going to do them both at the same time. He goes, I love people like you. He goes, but what do you mean with if? I said, I'm just waiting on the Lord, trusting him. And one Sunday morning, we were in service during worship, and all of a sudden I kept hearing the scripture over and over me. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, rise up and walk. I just kept hearing that scripture, Acts 3, 6. What Peter told the lame man at the gate, beautiful. And I'm hearing the scripture, and all of a sudden the worship leader stopped worship. And she goes, I don't know if this is proper or not. She goes, but I have a scripture rolling over and over inside of me. And she said, there's a young man who had had an accident, killed his passenger. He had hydroplaned in his car and said he's laying in ICU, and I'm not sure he's going to live. She said, I think we ought to declare this scripture over him. She said, the scripture is, <laughs> silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right, right, Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And I grabbed the mic and I said, that's a now word. It's a rhema word from the Lord. And I said, everybody stand up and we're going to declare that. But I said, here's the deal. I'm grabbing that by faith for me. I said, if you, in, if you have any injury from your belt line down to your toes, I want you to grab it for yourself. And we prayed that prayer. We made a declaration of that prayer over our lives. That young man's still alive today. <laughs> Amen. And I've not had knee surgery. <laughs> I've not had knee replacements. Because God is still the God of the supernatural. God still does what he always did if we'll, as his body, do what he's called us to do. We can't. He can. Together we will. He just needs your yes. Without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible to please God. For if any man or woman come to God, they must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Diligently seeking is action. Your prayer that you all are going to be having, that's what he's talking about. Come after me. I want to be wanted. Come after me. Hunger. I love hungry. Hungry people. Y'all with me? Lord, I don't even know where to go. Woo! I'm so wound up. Woo! <laughs> uh. Okay. All right. Hebrews 1. I'm going to go here. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read a few scriptures. I'm going to share testimony. Does anybody know what testimony does? Number one, it gives glory to God. Number two, it brings faith in the moment to receive now. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing testimony. Testimony. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's bringing him in the now for you to receive. He's no respecter of person. What he's done for Todd Hill, for Paul Johnson, for Taylor, for Michelle, it doesn't matter, for Austin, for Mitchell, Benjamin, it doesn't matter. He'll do for you. He's not, he's... <laughs> Michelle, one night we were under the tent. We set up a tent for three nights, and we went 30 straight, mi minus two Saturday nights, nonstop. Miracles, I mean, this, it, was, it was crazy. But this lady come up to Michelle, and she said, uh, Michelle said, uh, what do you have need of? She goes, I have lupus and depression. And she said, I can handle the lupus. I just want the depression gone. And Michelle said, oh, honey. <laughs> the same blood that paid for one paid for the other. Why do we limit him? Why do we think we're going to ask for too much? Why? Why? I told Femi just a minute ago, did I get it right? Femi, where are you at? You got the name right? I got your name right. Whenever I stepped over and prayed for him, I said, dude, he doesn't have to take another thorn, another nail, another spear, another stripe on his back. He's literally sitting at the right hand of Father. In fact, how many of you all got healed in here a few minutes? Raise your hand. Jesus didn't even stand up for that to happen because his body is standing up. We're his body. He's still sitting at the right hand of Father. No panic. Biggest smile you've ever seen. Because he loves you all. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so, Hebrews 1. God, <clears throat> who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. We're talking about Old Testament. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. We're talking about the four gospels. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's, who be in the brightness of his glory and the, the express image of his person. Let me stop right there. Thomas told Jesus, said, show us the Father. He said, have I been with you so long? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the express image. He came in the fullness of the will of the Father. He only did those things that he saw his Father doing. He only spoke those things that he heard his Father speaking. He's the perfect, he's perfect theology. He's a man. Adam was a man, was and is a miracle, formed from the dust of the earth and <laughs> breathed in him the breath of life. He's the only created man that's ever lived, him and Eve, they have no belly buttons. Y'all get that in a minute. <laughs> okay, y'all with me? 
Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. Holy Spirit hovers over Mary. She's a virgin. She conceives and gives birth to the only begotten Son of God. But watch this. How many of y'all in here are born again? Raise your hand. Adam's a miracle, was and is. Jesus was and is. Both of them sons of God. One of them created, one of them begotten. But the day that you repented of your sins, invited Jesus into your life, confessed him as Lord, and believed God had raised him from the dead, another miracle happened. Holy Spirit was hovering, just like he did whenever God created the heavens and the earth, and he filled you with the kingdom within, and you became a born-again son or daughter of the Most High God. You're not trying to be born again again. <laughs> what you're trying to do is get transformed through the renewing of your mind in the Word to get some of the trash out of your mind. I do call it brainwash. best thing that ever happened to you is you get the Bible in you to get the trash out of you. I'm telling you, stinking thinking is what we call it in Kentucky. Got to get rid of some stinking thinking. But Jesus modeled how to walk in obedience to the Father Filled with the kingdom of God, releasing the kingdom everywhere he went. And he left us here for that reason. Your identity is a born-again son or daughter of God. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons, daughters of the Most High God. Are y'all with me? You got to know your identity. You got to know that you know that, that whose you are, and that's who you are because of whose you are. And then we got to know what we have has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. You know, whenever in Genesis said, let us make man in our image, Jesus said, let us, because he knew he had to die for us. One day he was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew before he ever created Adam and Eve that he had to die for us, and that's massive love. You just don't understand. He knew that we would fall. But he still chose. To, he, he agreed. Yes, Father, let us do this. Express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. Is that what your scripture says? Yes. Sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Now go to chapter 2 real quick. I just want to launch from here. So he sat down... The right hand of Father, five times in your New Testament says he sat down one time. He's standing up when Stephen's being stoned. And I truly believe that he's doing this right here. He's saying, look at my scars and remember what I did. Come on, you got to forgive him. Come on, you got to forgive him. Because the last thing he said, Father, lay not this to their charge. In other words, I forgive them. I forgive them. Did you know whenever Jesus teaches on the Lord's Prayer, whenever his disciples said, teach us to pray he didn't like, no, no one ever said teach us to preach there's a lot of people that do that but no just learn how to rest in the father's love and then you can minister out of that are you with me but whenever he gets finished with the prayer the only part he preaches on is forgiveness if you don't forgive others i'll not forgive you that's the biggest hindrance to your progress in the kingdom of god and i'm going to tell you something you're going to get offended you're going to get done wrong. Even as a born-again Christian, you're going to get done wrong. But don't carry it. Don't pick up an offense. You can't carry an offense and a cross at the same time. Y'all with me? Okay. All right, chapter 2. Therefore we, must give, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and who was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Talking about the Gospels and the disciples. And then watch this. God also bearing witness, both with signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. The Old Testament is over. It's a new and better covenant. There's one sacrifice. Jesus had paid full price for you to walk in victory and freedom and have free access into the throne room of grace in time of need. It's by his blood. What separates Christianity from every other religion is mainly two things. Everybody's trying to get to their God and ours came down. They're seeking theirs and ours came seeking us. He walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, cool of the day in the garden. He dwelt in the wilderness in the tabernacle. He dwelt in the temple that Solomon built behind the holiest of holies. And then Jesus came, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
And after he ascended, he said, don't you boys go anywhere and do anything until you receive the promise of the Father. And on the day of Pentecost, heaven was open, the Holy Spirit fell on the believers in Acts chapter 2, and heaven's been opened ever since. You're not trying to pray for an open heaven. He's here. The Holy Ghost is here. He's living in inside each and every one of us that's born again. Amen? Everybody lay your hand right here. There's Holy Ghost. He's right here. Anybody want to give God a hug? Just do this. I've done, y'all laughing at me? I was in a jet airplane one time. Uh, I'll never, I don't have time to tell this story, but uh, I heard a voice. I was going to a, a, a place that the Lord had told me to go, and I heard this voice. We're sitting in the, in the, in the commercial airplane getting ready to take off, and I heard this voice said, You don't belong here. This is not for you. You're not qualified. And I had fear hit me so bad, I wanted to be five years old again, sat in my mama's lap. And I prayed this prayer. I said, Father, I know that's not your voice. And I said, in eight years of serving you, I've been serving him 28 now. In eight years of serving you, I said, I've never once asked for this, but I'm going to ask for this. I said, I know you live in me. I said, so I want you to hug my heart and make this fear flee. And I said, I want a physical sign from you to know that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm on a jet that's getting ready to take off. And all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit hug my heart ever so gently. And we'd just become airborne. I looked right out the plane, and I saw a rainbow between two clouds, a sign of promise. Amen? He's here. I don't care if you're in, in, a, in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. I don't care if you're 35,000 feet up in a jet airplane, and Pastor Paul, Sister so-and-so, Brother Joe's not there. He's here 24-7, 365. The kingdom of God is within us 24-7, 365. Upon you is always for a season and a reason. Y'all got to get ready for what God's getting ready to do. You got to get ready. You got to know who's here and why he's here. Y'all with me? Hmm. I got saved. I'll share this with you. <laughs> So I worked in underground coal mines. I've been dealing with the coal mines for 43 years. I started 18 years old. Underground coal mines about that low. That's not high. I still have scars in my back from the roof boats to live down there. So, but anyway, I won't get, just to save time, I won't talk about all my past, but I had a, a, a man underground that befriended me. I was a bass fisherman, tournament bass fisherman. I loved to bass fish. And uh, <clears throat> he started befriended me and we started fishing and uh, he talked to me a little bit about the Lord and I'd just tell him I don't want to hear it. I'd make fun of the guys underground reading their Bibles. <laughs> True story. Y'all look at me like I'm a heathen. I was. <laughs> Wide open. Y'all ready? So anyway, one day he looked at me and said, Todd, you and I are pretty good friends. I said, yeah. He said, good enough friends to give me two hours of your, of, of your uh, week. Give me two hours a week of your life. I said, yeah, I can probably do that. He said, I'll see you, on church on, see you in church on Sunday. And I just started laughing. I went, that ain't happening. That's not happening. But one day, catch this. I'm going to talk about the supernatural power of God. One day, he was praying for me and Michelle, and we found out that her nephew was praying for us. He had got born again, and he knew I was so angst against religion that he decided he wasn't going to share that with us. He's going to get beside his bed and pray for us every day. But one day on a Saturday, I was walking out to the mailbox of the house that we just built. We had eight acres of land. We had garage and all this. And I'm walking out across the driveway to go to the mailbox, and I had this thought seize me just like this. I stopped, and I turned around and looked, and I went, what am I doing? If I die today, everything here belongs to somebody else. And it was just a thought. And so I called my uncle up in Cincinnati, Ohio, who used to be a, an evangelist. He literally had uh, tumors in jars of formaldehyde that had fallen off in his hand when he prayed for people. All kinds of signs, wonders, and miracles during the healing revivals. And I called him. I said, hey, I need to talk to you. He said, why don't you and Michelle come up? It was Labor Day weekend. So we went up there, and I kind of shared with him what was going on. And he tells me this. He goes, I have one word for you. I said, what's that? He goes, God's dealing with you. I said, uncle, I don't want to hear that because I don't believe that stuff. <laughs> So we go back home, and on a Monday, September 19th, 1994, <clears throat> Danny 
He said, hey, Todd, let's go fishing this week. I said, I can't. I'm too busy. He said, let's go Saturday. Then I said, look, we'll go Saturday. The next day, underground coal mines. I'm running a continuous miner. It's got about a six-pound box that, that operates a 60-ton machine that cuts the coal and loads it out at the same time. It's a wicked machine. I love running that thing. <laughs> it was almost the end of the shift. I'm sitting flat on my bottom with my feet out on the floor of the mine. There's a wing curtain pulled down that's tucked underneath my tail. And all of a sudden, about 15 minutes before the shift is over, I lean my head back and I had a vision. And in this vision, I see myself standing in a bass boat, looking out over a body of water, and all of a sudden, about 100 feet out there, a wave about that high and about that wide boils up in the water, and it's coming at me at a fast rate. And when it gets about 15 feet away, I turn to my left to get away from it. And when I do, there's a man standing there in a white robe with brown hair, beard, and mustache who grabs me. When that happens, I jumped straight up off of the ground and I took off running and I ran into my helper right here. And he grabs me and he goes, Hill, what's wrong with you? And I said, I just had a bad dream. He said, dream? You weren't even asleep. I said, I know. And I showed you. I said, get away from me. Oh, <laughs> when I got home, I looked at Michelle. I said, I don't know what's going on. But I said, the next time I go fishing, something out there is going to get me. <laughs> this is on Tuesday. Saturday comes, we go fishing. We're taking Danny's truck, his boat, and I'm asking a few questions because all of a sudden, my, my, my attention is, I mean, I'm just like, what in the world is happening here? No grid for it whatsoever. And so I remember a couple questions. I said, Danny, I need to read the Bible before I, I do anything. He said, you can, but it'll be like German to you. He said, the Holy Spirit inspired it and it takes the Holy Spirit to understand it. I went, okay. And I said... What's it like to serve Jesus? And, and I'll never forget it. He looked at me. He looked away. And all I saw was tears streaming down his face. And he just said, he had no words. I went, man, that's weird. <laughs> so I back him in the water in his boat. I go park the, the truck in the trailer. I step off of the dock into the boat. And Danny's sitting down in the driver's seat. He's looking at me. He says, well, sit down. I said, uh, where's your life jackets at? He goes, What'd you just say? He said, I said, where's your life jackets at? He goes, we don't ever wear life jackets out here. I said, I know, but today I am. He said, <laughs> he, <laughs> he said, what? I said, Danny, all I know is something out here is going to get me today. He went, you're serious? I said, yeah, I am. He goes, they're right there. Give me one too. <laughs> and that day, we fished about five or six hours, and I remember one more question I asked Danny. I said, the way I understand a man give his life to Christ anywhere, anytime. He said, anywhere, anytime. About one o'clock, he fires the boat up. We're on the far side, land between the lakes, the government side of Barkley Lake. We're coming across the lake. We're in the middle of the lake, and all of a sudden, I looked over at Danny. I said, stop the boat. He says, what? We're, he's running about 40 miles. Stop! <laughs> So he shuts the boat down. He goes, what's up? I said, I want to give my life to Christ. He said, right here, right now. I said, right here, right now. And he slides off the seat and hits his knees and starts praying. And I hit my knees because he did. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> and all I did was drop my head and I said, Jesus, Jesus. And when I stood up, it's like a thousand pounds was off my shoulders. All the guilt, shame, and condemnation was gone. <laughs> I lost half my vocabulary that day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> In the underground coal mines, uh, we're, not, we're not wallflowers. <laughs> uh, I walked in the back door. Michelle looked up. She was sitting at the table. She goes, what happened to you? I said, let me tell you. And I was dumping all the alcohol out of the cabinet and flipping them in the, in the trash can. <laughs> If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. Two weeks later, just reading the Bible. And this is where it's so powerful. This is called transformation. Just reading the Bible. I took all the trash in the house and burned it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's on your phone now. Back then it was in books. Michelle gave her life to Christ, rededicated about three days later. She didn't know who. I mean, she just, I mean, it was, I know, it was crazy. 
I had one scripture come to me four times the next week. What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And the, literally the Lord awakened me whenever I turned around and looked at everything that we had so-called accomplished and worked for, that if we died it belongs to somebody else just like that. I'm going to share that with you because here's, here's the price to revival. It's called All In. You have to ask yourself a couple of questions. And I'm going to share just a little bit of testimony. But you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. Is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? Only one life so soon will pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. C.T. Studd, missionary, he got his father's inheritance, went and gave it away and became a missionary. In other words, in the parable of the seed sower, in revival, when God shows up, the devil shows up, the world shows up, and the flesh shows up. And the seed, the word, was not unfruitful because of the cares and affairs of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. See, there's one thing that attracts the presence of God, the smell of death. Did you know that the altar is a place of sacrifice? And Paul told us in Romans 12 that you present your body as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? When I come to the altar, I lay down, I say, Lord, I have no rights. I'm not worried about my reputation. I cancel the American dream. I choose to have your calling and destiny fulfilled in my life. Here I am. Use me as you choose. I'm no more fighting you. Who in here is an electrical engineer? Raise your hand. Electrician. Got one? Thank you. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. About three weeks ago, I'm spending time with the Lord. He spoke something to me. Y'all know what the best conductor for electricity is? <clears throat> best conductor. Silver. Number one. Number two is gold. Number three is copper. The reason that they use copper is because it's the cheapest. The reason they use gold in electronics is it because it does not uh, tarnish like silver does. But if there's one metal they would use if it didn't tarnish, would be silver. Do you know why they would use silver? It does not resist the flow of the electricity. You know how many people resist the Holy Ghost? How many people want this much and no more? Or how many people, well, that's out of my comfort zone, or I've got other plans, or let me tell you what revival does. You're already seeing this with Paul calling you all back tonight and tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. It'll take your schedule, number one. It'll take your comfort. It'll cause a sacrifice of your time, your talent, your treasure. You, ha you have to fund revival, but that's what builds your testimony. Whenever you stand in eternity before the Lord Jesus Christ one day, do you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Are we willing to pay the price to host the Holy Ghost, to let him have his way and not resist him, to let him flow freely through us? Silver. We have to come. We have to lay our life down. He's already moving in you all because of last week of the repentance that was here, the repentance that's happening. That's the first part of it. Real quick, Luke 11, Luke 15. I want to show you a principle here. I want you to catch what God's doing. So Michelle and I, we're born again. We're serving Jesus. <laughs> year and a half later, I went back to the coal mines. I've been working with 12 guys for two years. I went back on a on, that was on a Saturday. I go back to work on a Monday. Told them I all gave my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, so we're, we're at the big power box before we go up and run coal. And all of a sudden, we're on our knees because the coal's low. Let me do this. <laughs> you couldn't stand up. 
And all of a sudden, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Sunday school teacher, Christian, Christian, Sunday school teacher, uh, except for one of them. He walked off, and I went, no, no, no. And they went, yeah, yeah, we're Christian. I went, no. They go, what do you mean? I said, I've been working with you guys for two years, and none of y'all told me about Jesus. And all of a sudden, you could have heard a pin drop, and every one of them did like this. And the mechanic looked up at me. He said, Todd, I know this is not a good enough excuse, but he said, you're going to find out that you're going to get persecuted for sharing that name. I said, I've been born again two days, and I've already read it where it said you would because he was. I said, not an excuse. I got up and walked off. See, what happens in revival, <laughs> first, the church is awakened and empowered. That's what's going on. You're being awakened, you're being empowered, and then the boldness of the Holy Ghost he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses. In other words, the boldness to share the kingdom of God that's within you. Through word, but even through your testimony. Your testimony, you don't have to memorize. It's a part of every part of your being. I don't have to memorize my testimony. Luke 15, verse 11 through 32. Just, just real quick here. So this is called the parable of the prodigal son. It's actually the parable of the good, good father. Yeah. Most people miss it. It's about a good father. Yeah. And we're serving a good father. And watch this. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, I want my inheritance right now, not, not whenever you die. Whenever he does this, in that culture, he's literally saying, you're dead to me. I don't need you anymore. Anybody ever done that to God? Well, don't raise your hand, but I had one. <laughs> so he divided to them, this is both sons, his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, <laughs> spent all, seeing it take you further than you're willing to go, cost you more than you're willing to pay, and keep you longer than you're willing to stay. I've seen... Mighty, wealthy businessman lose it all for a relationship. Family and everything. There arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. You know what I found out? Whenever I was in the world and whenever I had money, whenever I was funding the party, man, I had friends everywhere. But one time I quit a job because I had another job promised and it didn't come to, to pass. And all of a sudden, when I didn't have any money for gas and the party, my friends were nowhere around. Where's Mike Tyson's entourage today? Anybody know? <laughs> hmm. But when he came to himself, everybody say, came to himself. It's called brokenness. It's called brokenness. It's a shame that's what it took, but back whenever in 2019, we went to the North Georgia Revival. I was a broken man. I was, a, I was, I was hurt. I was offended. I'd been lied to, lied on, kissed on the cheek, stabbed in the back, falsely accused, slandered. In fact, I was complaining to Jesus one day. I said, Lord, I've been lied to, lied on, kissed on the cheek, stabbed in the back, falsely accused. He went, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, you know anybody else ever been done that way? I went, yeah, you. He goes, the more you become like me, the more you're going to be treated like me. Just get ready. I'm going to give you some principles. I'm going to give you something to hold you when God does the exceedingly abundantly above what he's going to do through you all. you got to grab this. Brokenness. When I went to North Georgia, when God healed my heart in the waters, I got healed in a baptismal pool, a swimming pool. I got healed. When I stepped up, when I stepped up to be baptized, Marty... <laughs> I said, what's your name? Where are you from? I said, Todd Hill, Madisville, Kentucky. He said, why are you in the water? I said, pride, a critical spirit, false humility, and I don't trust Jesus like I used to. And he pulled the mic. And he leans in. And he says, you know how many people I've heard confess that 
of the hundreds, thousands I've baptized? I said, I don't have a clue. He said, none. He said, that is called an Isaac sacrifice. Isaac was a grown man. He had to climb up on the altar. His dad didn't put him there. He said, you're getting ready to get your life changed. I said, Marty, if not, I'm done. And he baptized me. And for two days, I wept. And I wept. And I wept. And I had two visions. One of them was I saw the potter's wheel and the clay on the potter's wheel. And I saw a hand take it and it was formed up as a vase. And I saw him just push it down into a lump again and he said I'm getting ready to remake you number two I saw myself sitting behind a door holding it open for a move of God in West Kentucky all I wanted to do was stay behind the door we brought Todd Smith into Massville Kentucky the 25th September 25th of 19 we rented the the uh, Ballard Center um, and we bought a swimming pool, and we put it in a convention center. And then he came back to Pastor Jones Church, where they've been in revival for two years. And then the following year, in the midst of COVID, while everybody was shrinking back, Michelle and I took and put up a revival tent. <laughs> we, had, um, we had a letter put on our pulpit from the government officials. Um, the next day, I got a phone call, and they told me they were going to go to Frankfort, Kentucky on me. I said, I'll fix it right now. And so I put a post on Facebook. I said, we're having a riot, revival in our town. <laughs> and we're having a protest proclaiming righteousness over the entire surrounding town. <laughs> and we're not singing. We're shouting to Jesus. <laughs> and guess what happened? It was over, baby. Because they were having riots and letting them go, protest and shouting. Holy Spirit has all the wisdom you will ever need. It was over. We brought Lance Johnson in under the tent. And then since then, we've had revival in that community. I'm telling you, just be willing to take a low place and stay in a low place. Just be willing. But if I hadn't got my heart healed through brokenness, during that time before Todd came, I was taking 11-mile bicycle rides. The Lord spoke to me. He said, just ride your bicycle. And he was speaking to me as I ride my bicycle. One day, I rode by a dead deer carcass. I couldn't see it, but I could smell it. <laughs> In West Kentucky, it's, there's deer galore. After deer, during, during the rut, there's a deer every quarter to half mile on the interstate. They're just everywhere. And whenever I smelt that smell, I went, oh, I'm riding my bicycle, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, do you, want, do you want to know what's a stench in my nostrils? I said, well, yes, I would. <laughs> he said, keep riding. And about another half a mile, there's a graveyard, and he said, pull off here. And I pulled off there. He said, let me tell you what's a stench in my nostrils. He said, pride. He said, you notice in this graveyard, there's unity? There's no bickering. There's no jockeying for play. They're all in unity because they're dead. He said, you die to self. You die to ambition. You die to ministry. You die to self-promotion. You die to accolades. You die to praise. You die to rejection. You die to criticisms. Until you do. Because if not, you're going to be moved. Men fear men so much because they fear God so little. Men fear men so much because they fear God so little. You just die and they have no place in you. You know, the other day I told Michelle this. We've been having a move in our church. We've been seeing God do a lot of miracles, a lot of restoration, all this. And we had, you know, some of them come up and says, man, we just love you, blah, 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 this, that, and other. And, you know, and I said, hey, we love you all too. And when they walked away, it was so easy. I told Michelle, I said, I'm not leaning on that wall because if they get mad next week and leave, I'm not following. I'm just, watch this. Most of you all love Jesus and trust people. Ship that. Love people 
and trust Jesus. He'll never let you down. Are y'all with me? I'm just giving you some principles here. I don't know. I feel like laying a foundation for you all to stand on and to not be moved whenever God accelerates what he's doing here. So, so brokenness. So I'm riding a bicycle, and then I'm riding a little bit further, and all of a sudden the Lord speaks to me. He says, I'm going to give you the key to revival. I said, okay. And I'm listening to the song, break every chain, break every chain. And I'm looking down, going down a hill on my bicycle, and all of a sudden he says, there it is. And I looked, and on the shoulder of the road, there's this broken chain link. He said, turn around and pick that up. And so I turn around, pick it up. He said, there's your key to revival. He said, brokenness. Because that will bind no one. A broken person with no pride will not hurt anyone, will not offend anyone, will not condemn anyone. Will not. Did you know whenever we criticize our brothers and sisters, we're allowing the accuser of the brethren to use our tongue to cut the body of Christ? Well, that Paul Johnson, who does he think he is up here having Saturday night services, bouncing in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Taylor, what's wrong with that woman? I mean, you, you can't be singing those songs. What's wrong with you all? And all we're doing is giving the accuser of the brethren our tongue to cut the body of Christ. Brokenness. Now watch this. So he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Hunger. I love the safe place for the hungry. You know, the foundation of revival, the four H's, hunger attracts his presence, God wants to be wanted. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be. There you go. He, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God, when will I come before the living God? So hunger. How many? Of my father's hired servants had bread enough to spare, and I perished with hunger. 2008, Buttonsbury, Kentucky. I know you've never heard of it. You've never been there. If you have and you sneezed, you missed it anyway. The only thing that's there is one church. <laughs> I'm traveling to Buttonsbury. I'm going across the bottoms, the river bottoms, and I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying for revival, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit arrested me. He said, you want my definition of revival? I said, Yes, this ought to be interesting. He said, okay. He said, revival is an event that's going to take place in a person's life or a group of people's lives when the hunger for the performance of my presence and power exceeds that of what they're presently experiencing in everyday life. He said, if they're satisfied with what they have, they'll never have any more. Let me show you what Michelle and I see here. Y'all are here on a Sunday night. Not normal. It's called hungry. How many have already had your lives touched, raise your hand, just by being here? Oh, okay. You know, other people thought about coming, but it may have been just a little bit inconvenient. Hunger. Humility sustains his presence. Don't you take credit for anything. Stay low, keep your nose in the dirt. <laughs> you honor him with testimony. You brag on him. You boast in him. Testimony gives him glory. And the last H is holiness. You cannot hang out in the Holy Ghost and not have a different life afterwards. Amen. You will live separate from the world. Holiness means I'm separate. Yeah. And the first name of Holy Ghost is? Okay. All right, we got that. So, so I will arise, go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Watch this. Jesus modeled how to hold a towel and wash feet. If you're willing to do that, there's always a place for you in ministry. It's whenever you think that he handed you a title and now you have prestige and now you have expectations of the way you ought to be treated. When I train evangelists, I teach them this right here. When you go to a church to preach, go to the bathroom. Use the bathroom if you have to. Clean the toilet on your knees. Wash your hands, then go to the pulpit. It'll keep you rightly aligned. Make me like, make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. 
It's humility. Brokenness starts it. Humility comes with its head down, just willing to be a servant. Humility. If you stay on your face, the devil can't knock your legs out from under you. <laughs> but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, which is repentance. So we have brokenness, humility, and now we have repentance. Father, I've sinned against you. Godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world works death. The sorrow of the world is, I'm sorry I got caught. But godly sorrow is, I've sinned against you, Father, and I'm sorry. So we got repentance. So apparently, y'all are here already, and I can tell. But when he was still, oh, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, called forgiveness. So now we have brokenness, humility, repentance, and now we have forgiveness. This is the order. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Reconciliation. Repentance brings reconciliation not only with Father, but it brings it with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. you got to have reconciliation. You can't have aught against your brothers. You know, everybody's a Christian until it comes to the Matthew 18 principle where if you have aught against a fellow believer, go to them one-on-one, -on -one, see if you can work it out. If that doesn't work, take one or two more with you. And if not, then bring them before the church. You know, very few people do that. But that solves a lot of problems. Watch this. For my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry, which is unity. They. Where does God pour out his anointing? Psalms 133. Unity. And together in this house, if y'all stay unified, you're going you're gonna to affect Indiana. I'm telling you, you're going to affect it. I won't even go through the rest of it here. Psalms 51:17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. He's, he's smelling. He's looking. I'm just looking for death. I'm just looking for someone that won't fight me, that won't resist me, that will give me their life, that will lay on the altar and let me consume it. Did you know Elijah... God told him, go show yourself to Ahab. I'm going to send rain on the earth. He calls the children of Israel to the mountain, the prophets of Baal. He repairs the altar. He prepares the sacrifice. And he prays, and that's all he could do. And then the fire fell. All you can do is lay yourself on the altar and pray. He's the one that sends the fire. But if you notice, Elijah still had to get on his face and pray seven times for the will of God to be birthed because God has given authority to man on earth. That's the reason Jesus became a man, to take back what the devil had stolen. Now, so Isaiah 57, 15, I want you to hear this one. I'm going to share a little testimony and God's going to. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits the eternity, whose name is holy. Oh, his name is holy. Huh. Yeah, I so. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Hmm. Acts 3.19, Peter's preaching. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance is first. Be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing. It literally means recovery of breath, which literally means a revival. Will come, may come from the presence of the Lord. What's that talking about? The, the, the manifest presence, the omnipresence of God is in us 24-7, 365. Know you not your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. But the manifest presence of God 
whenever the kingdom is expressed, the power of God is manifest. And that's where you get your lives changed for eternity. Encounters with God, you get marked. You get marked. You get marked for eternity. You'll never forget it. And they become like memorial stones. Peter said, I stir you up by putting in you remembrance. And whenever all hell's breaking loose around you, you can start going through your mind and say, Lord, I remember whenever I got born again. I remember whenever you healed me. I rem- I- You're the same God. <laughs> Jesus Christ is saying, yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing's changed. Now I have faith rising in me to say, that's enough, devil. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. He's given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. He's given. We're not waiting for anything else. So Michelle and I, we've been serving the Lord about a year and a half after I get born again. I got in trouble. I got baptized in a Baptist church. I love it. I'm thankful for the Baptists. They, they used to knock on doors. Nobody does anymore. I think they're afraid they're going to get shot. <laughs> I won't get into that story. But <laughs> anyway, after I got saved, I started knocking on doors, witnessing the people, uh, led men to Christ, Bowling Alley, Bristol Motor Speedway. Anyway, I don't have... I just want to share Jesus. Did you know how the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks? If you're having a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, when you open your mouth, he comes out. <laughs> Evangelism's not I got to, it's I can't help but to. Let me tell you about this Jesus. Amen? Phew. So anyway, um, I, it was, it's very dangerous when you start reading your Bible. Because all of a sudden, you start seeing that religion is binding you. And all of a sudden, you're reading about signs, wonders, and miracles, and this God of power, and the God of the universe, and the one who spoke the world into existence, and the breath of God, and just, and all of a sudden, you're going, what, what, what about these? Oh, we pray about that stuff, and we talk about it. I'm I love what John Wimber said. He said, when do we get to do the stuff? They said, what stuff? said, the stuff in the book. He said, well, we pray about it, and we talk about it. He said, no, I want to do the stuff. He said, when I lived for the devil, I did the stuff. Anybody else want to shut? (laughs) And they did the stuff. So Michelle and I, we start praying, said, Lord, send us to a church where we'll grow. And he did. And then, real quick about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got struck by lightning when I was 12 years old. True story. How many of y'all ever... Met somebody struck by lightning before, raise your hand. Couple, three, four, five. Very seldom because most people don't live through it. Mom and I are sitting in the, in the living room. I have to share this for this reason. We're sitting in the living room. All of a sudden we hear thunder come up and hear thunder. And she said, uh, go out there and roll up the windows in my car. Her car was probably from here to the front of the church, sitting out in the driveway. I go out there, I grab the door, reach down, grab the handle. And last thing I remember was... <laughs> It's just flashing a lot. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you all. <laughs> but that's the way it was for me too, by the way. <laughs> you just got a little taste without the electricity, but you're going to get some electricity. <laughs> so anyway, I wake up. I'm 15 feet from the car, and I'm in about this deep of water because it's pouring down rain. I was in a low place. And I get myself up, and I stagger into the house, and my mom looks at me and says, my God, son, what happened to you? I said, I got struck by lightning. She said, I was totally white. My lips were blue. On April 5th, 1996, Good Friday, I was off work. I was scheduled to have back surgery. When you work in underground coal mines all the time, you walk like this all the time for hours and hours, and you work, and you're grabbing heavy stuff. It's not good on your lower back. And so I'd been having some major back problems. And uh, so they found out what was going on with it and said, we're going schedule, to schedule you for back surgery. So I was off. I was in pain, deathly pain, but went underground. And so it was a good Friday service. It was a Friday night, um, April 5th, 1996. The pastor preached. I don't know what he preached. Um, I'm sitting about halfway down the aisle on the seat right there by the aisle. And... They start praying for people at the altar, and the guy does like this to me. 
And this is what I prayed inside of my mind to the Lord. I didn't say it out loud. Watch this. I said, Lord, I'm going down here to the altar. I said, but I'm sick and tired. Hear this. I'm sick and tired of my pride, my ways, and my life. You just have your way in my life tonight. I'm already born again. But it's a prayer of submission. In other words, hands off the wheel. In fact, the license plate on front of my vehicle says, God is my co-pilot. I'm changing seats tonight. You're driving. I went up for prayer. I was reading a book called Charisma versus Charismania. The guy said that being slain in the spirit, which I'd been, Michelle and I had been seeing, I'm going, oh, that's weird. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Anyway, the guy says this. He says, being slain in the spirit is you got your hands up, your head back, and they push on you. And I said, yeah, that's what they did. So I go up for prayer, and I'm standing about right here. <laughs> And I got my hands up and my head back, and this guy walks up to me, and he puts his hand on my head, and he pushes, and I push back. <laughs> and inside of me, I said, see there, Lord, that's what it's all about. They push you over. <laughs> that guy walks off. I'm still standing there. Somebody barely touches me right there. Shpoom. Just like when I got struck by lightning. I got knocked 15 feet down the middle aisle underneath the pew. And all of a sudden, I had a language come out of my mouth I'd never heard before. I went. <laughs> and then I heard praise and worship in the spirit realm. It was the most beautiful sound I'd ever heard in my life. And then I started weeping. And then I started laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> I would weep. <laughs> I would laugh. I would weep. I would laugh for about an hour and a half. Now, watch this. I don't care what the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is. I want to know what the fruit of it is. When I got up, my back was 60% better. It was a Friday night. I went back to work Monday. They said, Hill, what are you doing here? You're going to have back surgery. I said, nope, I'm not having back surgery. I said, the Lord supernaturally touched my back, and they just looked at me. On Wednesday night, I went up for prayer again, not for that to happen. Same thing happens again. I get knocked <laughs> Boom. And I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm laughing and I'm weeping. And when I get up, I have zero back pain. And I'm walking around the church trying to figure this out. This is the worst thing that you'll use trying to figure out the Holy Ghost. <laughs> get your scriptural bearing to stand on, but don't limit him after that. And then. A lady, an older saint in the very back of the church, said, come here a minute, Ty. And I walked back there. She said, the Lord just spoke to me. said, you've had major back trouble. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, lower back. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, the Lord said, it's been five months. And I started counting. I said, yes, ma'am, it's been five months. She goes, the Lord wants me to tell you one more thing. I said, what's that? She said, he's healed your back in this laughter because a merry heart does good like a medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. You were singing about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord brings healing. All I could say was one scripture out of my mouth that I'd never read before. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Blessed is a man that trusts in him. Now, will you grab this? I like strong young men. <laughs> so y'all were in here Bouncing in the Holy Ghost. Praising the Lord. Y'all been through repentance. You've been through brokenness. You've been on your face in humility. Brokenness, humility, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation with Father. Y'all been reconciling one to another. Now you have unity in your house, right? You're not here on a Saturday night whenever you could be many other places, right? Sunday. <laughs> Man, as busy as this week's been, I don't even know. I am in Montana, right? <laughs> Woo, I'm bring another drink. <laughs> Let me ask you.
Who's God going to use in this outpouring that's happening all across this nation right now? Say, uh, y'all heard Marty, Asbury, Florida, let's see, Sanford University, Lee University, bam, 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 bam. Now, here in Indiana, who's he going to use? I saw three hands come up. Who's he going to use? Who's he going to use? You are a candidate to be used by God to change the atmosphere in the world in which you live. Michelle and I, I we cannot sit here and we don't have time to tell you of the miracles that we've seen, of the lives transformed and changed, of people being set. You know, this is prophetic right here. During worship, right before we started, I saw that. Did you know you don't have to advertise a fire? It advertises itself. Everybody follows them. I'm going. Let's see what. I mean, come on, y'all. Look. Right there. Fire alarm. Going off. There's a fire. How many of y'all want to be used? I meant to ask Paul a question. I got to ask him a question real quick. Let me turn my. Okay. How many of y'all ever been through a fire tunnel? One person, two, three, five, six. So have y'all ever had a fire tunnel here? Tonight's the night. Okay. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you word for fire tunnel, but uh, Paul, I want all your leadership up here. All your leadership. So let me tell you let me tell you what a fire tunnel is. So the first time I had one, service was almost ending, and I had a guest speaker, and I walked back by the sound booth, and I, and I prayed this prayer out loud. I said, Lord, what do you want for altar time? And Holy Spirit said, fire tunnel. And I went, out of my mouth loud, I went, fire tunnel, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and wait a minute now, y'all, y'all get ready, get ready. And the, the guy running the sound booth, he went, Fire! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, God. See, remember? Remember your mind, your logic? Remember? I went, oh. and so there was a, a man there who had his recovery group there. And it was a bunch of women, and I said, I have a question for you. <laughs> he said, I said, Lord told me to do a fire tunnel. What's that going to do for your girls? He said, oh, it's going to wreck them, but they'll get over it. I went, Okay, and still the testimony of one of the girls today is this testimony. She said, that night, I got my life changed in a fire tunnel. And here I was worried about what people think. That is your number one fear of man. Now, one other, one other quick testimony. We're going to have fire tunnel. I'm explaining it to you. <laughs> it's in the Word, I promise you. So I went to Lance Johnson's two years ago on my birthday, by the way. And we were there, and Lance says, won't you come preach? I said, all right. So on the way to the, when Michelle and I were in the hotel, whenever we got ready to leave, I said, we're having a fire tunnel day. She went, yeah, right. I said, yeah, I know, yeah, right. <laughs> but during worship, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, fire tunnel. And I went, all right, we're in. So I'm preaching. When I get finished preaching, I looked at Lance. Lance was sitting about right here. And I said, hey, we haven't talked about uh, altar time. I said, you want me to do it or you got it? He goes, no, brother, you got freedom, just like he said. <laughs> I said, all right, we're having a fire tunnel. And Lance told me later, he said, I dropped my head, went, oh, God. <laughs> because he said, he said his people would never respond to a fire tunnel. <laughs> Two hours later, at the end of the fire tunnel, 
his wife, Lisa's best friend, got healed of fibromyalgia and some other, I forget what it was, and she's now able to get down on the floor and play with her grandkids where she never could before. When I left that service, and this is my last few words for you, when I left that service, I walked out, Michelle and I are going to the vehicle, and, here, and I'm arguing with God, I'm good at that. Anybody else ever done that? <laughs> I said, Lord, okay, fire tunnel. I said, I get it, but I said, you got to show it to me in the Word, because I have to have a foundation. He said, do you want it in the Word? I said, I want it in the Word. He goes, okay, you ready? I went, yep. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, none of them know who laid hands on them other than I touched them because everybody laid hands on them. He said, who got the glory out of the fire tunnel? I said, you did, I'm in. <laughs> so here's the deal. What we're going to do, y'all have never done a fire tunnel or y'all wouldn't be lined up like that. <laughs> Half of you come around here. I can tell. Y'all getting trapped. So... Man and woman across from each other, if we can. Man and woman across from each other. Right straight across from each other. Hey, time out. I'm going to do some training. There we go. Y'all right, Michelle? Come here. Come here, Michelle. So Michelle and I are across from each other, right? All right, y'all got this. Is that even? Okay, so this is what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to put on some music, okay? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to start at this end, and you're going to come through the fire tunnel. Remember what's here? Yeah. Isn't it funny that, that that's, that's not funny, that's God. And then I looked over here because that's what, <laughs> did you know that one sure way to know that you're on fire, people are trying to throw wet blankets on you. Oh, you don't have to get that excited for Jesus. Oh, you don't have to go, to, oh, oh, baby. <laughs> So here's what's going to happen. They're going to put some music on. We're going to start right here. You're going to come through this line just like this. Yeah. And they're going to pray for you. Yeah. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God. And there's some of you that have given up on what you've been asking for. He doesn't have to take another stripe, another nail, another spear, another thorn, when he said it was finished, it's finished. He's paid full price for you to have victory today, for you to be healed today, for you to be whole today, for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost today, for you to be carriers of revival and release it everywhere you go. He's paid full price. You're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. He's the best chess player has ever been. It's always our move. In fact, I told you he was sitting down, and Jesus is still going to be sitting down while you go through the fire tunnel. Are y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right. Michelle and I are going to be down at the end. We're going to pray for you too. So here's where you come. Just start coming through. Come hungry, come receiving. Our sins are washed away.